Llegaron los Propane Days a Lowe's. Desde ahora hasta el 16 de junio, los miembros MVPs de Lowe's reciben un 20% de reembolso en pintura con una tarjeta de regalo electrónica de Lowe's por compras de pinturas elegibles de 100 dólares o más. Lleva la nueva y exclusiva pintura HGTV Home de Sherwin-Williams Specride para interiores. Lowe's sabe de pros. Aplican exclusiones, restricciones y más términos. Visita Lowe's.com diagonal L diagonal Pro Loyalty Terms. Sujeto a cambios. Our own Jerry Dulac breaks at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette that Matt Canada will be staying the Steelers' offensive coordinator, according to his sources on the inside. We'll talk about that here on the North Shore Drive podcast, the impact of that, what the Steelers should do with linebacker, and a little bit of pit hoops. We're joined today by Josh Roundtree of 93.7 The Fan. I'm your host, Chris Carter, here on the North Shore Drive podcast. Let's get into it. You are now listening to the North Shore Drive podcast, a show on all things Pittsburgh sports, from the writers of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, hosted by Christopher Carter. Welcome to the North Shore Drive podcast for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. I am your host, Chris Carter. We're joined today by Josh Roundtree of 93.7 The Fan. Remember, you can find this show Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and especially on YouTube. Like this video if you saw it on YouTube. Subscribe to this YouTube channel to get all of our daily content that comes out here from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. As and a reminder, this show comes out Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. And we're joined by Josh. It's his debut showing here on the North Shore Drive podcast. I've talked to him before on shows. He's had me on his shows. So I love getting to talk to my man, Josh. Josh how are you doing today? <laughs> I'm good, man. I'm good. It's uh, it's it's nice to be welcomed into the North Shore Drive podcast. It's It's been a long time coming, but I'm honored, Chris, truly. I, I, oh, you know, I'm, we're honored to have you here, sir. <laughs> but let's dive right into what, you know, some Steelers fans might not be feeling about so honorable about right now and it's the news that our, our friend Jerry Dulac here at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette breaks that Matt Canada is indeed staying now it's not too much of a shocker from the news that we heard everyone was kind of feeling like if he was gonna get let go it would have happened Friday or Monday or something like that but here we are on Wednesday uh and uh, uh Jerry is is letting us know that he is indeed staying we also got kind of a hint at this when Kenny Pickett went on Cam Hayward's podcast this week and said you know he's been working with Matt Canada during the offseason, even though the offseason is what two weeks old. Um, and so, but still, it's kind of a sense it's not surprising. But is this is this the warning sign? Like, is this the thing that is this the one thing that couldn't happen in the Steelers offseason? Or is this just kind of the overhyped thing that we're doing right now because the Steelers are out of the playoffs, other teams are playing football, and we need something to be angry about? Well, I guess, Chris, the question that I have is, are there no other better options out there available than Matt Canada? Like every offseason, your goal should be, let's make this team better. And right now, more than ever, it should be, let's make this offense and let's make Kenny Pickett as good as possible. Let's get him ready for his pro career to fully get underway. Because mm-hmm. remember, we go back last year, training camp, OTAs, minicamp, didn't really take first team reps. Now it's his offense. Now it's his. Is Matt Canada the right guy? to lead and develop a young rookie quarterback in the NFL. We don't know. He's never done it before. He's never had that experience. He had never been a coach in the NFL before the Steelers brought him in a couple of years ago. He had that one season with them uh, and then was promoted to, to the offensive coordinator spot. That's my question. Does he actually have the credentials? Does he have the capability of developing a great young quarterback in the NFL? Or are there better options out there? Were there better options out there? That's what I want to know. And to me, 
you know, if you would have asked me eight weeks ago, I would have said Matt Canada absolutely is going to be on his way out. But I think as we've seen in the back half of this season, there's more and more confidence, I think, within that building, maybe not outside of that building, but within that building, there's more and more confidence that Matt Canada is the guy that can get it done. I don't know if that's right or not. We're going to find out. But it's a bit of a gamble because the results haven't been there in two seasons. No, absolutely. You know, the Steelers offensively have been abysmal uh, as far as putting putting points up. Uh, they finished 26th in points scored this year, 23rd in yards. Uh, you know, and obviously, yeah, rookie rookie quarterback and everything. But, you know, but last year they finished 21st in scoring, 23rd in yards. And those aren't, you know, dead last or anything, but still they're not what you want them to be. Um, and, and I think that there's a lot to, you know, mitigating circumstances, right? Ben Roethlisberger was, it was the worst version we ever saw of him last year. And this is Kenny Pickett, Mitch Trubisky, you know, rookie transition. These things are going to happen. So there are these reasons that you could say, okay, these factor in here. But – you got to feel that, you know, it, one thing that, you know, I think that everyone acknowledged, the Steelers don't often fire coaches before their their contract is up. And Matt Canada did have another year. But to your point, there's a lot of guys out there, you know, the Pep Hamiltons, uh, the Frank Reichs, the Nathaniel Hackett's. You know, some people will point to Cliff Kingsbury. I'm not so hot on him. But, you know, some people point to Jim Caldwell. And, you know, even though he's older, you know, having an experienced guy who's done it before, who's worked their way up the ladder and maybe just hasn't worked, worked out as a head coach, but is known to be an offensive mind, maybe one of those guys would be the guy to help Kenny Pickett develop. Because to me, it's not just about calling plays. Because a lot of people talk about calling plays. I I, I am not, and you, you know this from, from, from our interactions, I am not the biggest harper of Matt Canada sucks at calling plays. I think the biggest problem that he has is sometimes is sequencing them and and go and, and building on them throughout a game. But I think there's a lot of opportunities that are there that the Steelers have passed up on. But some of those opportunities are, are situations where it's like, you know, Maybe it's because you're leaning on this quarterback to do too much at this point in time. And next year, Kenny Pickett's going to have all he's I think he's going to take a significant step forward and and reduce the amount of reads that he misses. But still, you have to have an offense that I think reduces the amount of the, the amount of detail that he has to always have in his game for the Steelers to be successful. The Steelers finished with the uh, the seventh best third down percentage in the NFL and one of the better teams at possessing the football. And that's great. But I, I think they also need to have to, they have to add some explosiveness to their game where they're hitting on big places. That was just non-existent this year. Well, I, I want to highlight one thing you said first, you mentioned that the Steelers don't like, to, to get rid of coaches when they're still on their contract, when they're still under contract, when they're still with the team uh, and they have time left. Here's what I'll say to that, Chris. If that in any way is getting in the way of getting rid of Matt Canada, shame on Art Rooney, shame on the organization, because your goal right now is to make Kenny Pickett the best possible player that you possibly can. How much money could Matt Canada possibly be making? A million bucks, maybe? I mean, is that what an NFL coordinator is making? How much money do they throw away with dead cap money? How much money are they funneling into Mike Tomlin every single year? And look, he's been a successful coach. I'm not denying that. But if you're willing to pay your head coach $12 bucks a year, but you're not willing to sacrifice a million dollars by paying a, a really an offensive coordinator that has not has not really proven a whole lot in the NFL to get rid of him and bring somebody new in. If you're not willing to part with that little amount of money in the scale of you know an NFL organization, then shame on the Steelers if that truly is what's getting in the way or it all got in the way of this decision. Beyond that, though, you know, 
you're right. I mean, the offense, I thought, showed some signs of improvement in the back half of the year. There's no question about that. But it lacks the dynamic playmaking down the field. The funny thing is, we saw some of that. We saw when they got desperate, it come out late in games. Cincinnati, Kenny Pickett started to you know throw the ball down the field a little bit. The Baltimore game, when they rallied back late, they started to throw the ball a little bit more. There were times late in game, right? There were times late in games where they opened up the offense a little bit and it looked pretty darn good. And that has to be, I think, their focus going forward. It's okay, well, we have a we have an offensive line, we have a running game that we think is progressing in a very positive direction. But how do we get better in the passing game? How do we stretch the field more? And really, at that point, you start to do that, you make teams have to absolutely respect your run game uh, and your passing game, and that opens up a variety of weapons. I think there's things to do personnel-wise, too, in the offseason to help that offense. I think they could add another playmaker. Offensive line. Right, right. And, and hey, credit to the offensive line. They were much improved. Yeah. They were much improved in the back half of the season, especially down you know the last four or five games. But to me, this is about – the number one goal in this offseason is doing everything you possibly can to make Kenny Pickett the best possible quarterback that he can be. And if they're not doing that, that is a failure of this organization. Now, I, I'll, I'll say this, because I do agree that that needs to be the priority. I'm not so sure it's the money issue that's getting in the way. I, I think the Steelers have a way of operating that they think gives them the best chance to hire the right guys when they're seeking them. And like, for example, like, you know, by not, by, by saying like, Hey, when I go, if a coach is thinking, well, I go to the Steelers, if they, if I sign a three-year deal, I got a three-year deal. You might be able to get the better candidates when you're looking for the hardcore ones. And I've also been maintaining this. I think it's very possible that, the reason that they kind of were just stuck with Matt Canada was because they weren't going to get like what, what premier offensive mind was going to sign up for the last year of Ben Roethlisberger, not knowing if it definitely was the last year of Ben Roethlisberger and then not knowing with the, with the offensive line, the state it was not knowing the direction of the offense. Why would I tie the next step of my, of my career when I think I I'm going to be the next genius that becomes a head coach to that situation when I can go to a number of other places with a young quarterback, but now they do have, Kenny Pickett. They've got Najee Harris. They've got Jalen Warren, George Pickens, Deontay Johnson's, Pat Fryman. And like you said, that offensive line was improving. And I fully expect them to add one, maybe two pieces to that group this year to make them even stronger when they start out next year. So I do think that the Steelers, if they are passing up on the opportunity to get the guy that that could be the ultimate guy that, that sets Kenny Pickett up for a great future with the organization, that is a mistake. But like you like you said earlier, we have to wait and see because, you know, Matt Cannon, I, I get, I've maintained this. I think that his play call, the, the people that say these play calls are all terrible, I'm like, go watch the L22. There are opportunities there. I think there's timing and there's more things that need to be worked into it. But next year, all bets will be off, you know, barring, you know, major injuries. This, that will be the year that he needs to deliver. Yeah, absolutely. And you're right about, like, the all 22 and they're being plays there. And I think that was, to me, like, I think that was what, kind of changed this season around is and, and like let's call it what it is there was some sort of at the bye week coming to Jesus meeting where they said hey here's what you guys are doing wrong here is what you guys have screwed up through the first half of the season you want to go and point fingers and blame play calling and this and that we heard a lot of those comments come out of that locker room. there's no denying that the guys were talking about play calling they were talking about you know the, the scheme things like that we heard that over and over and over again and that stopped at the bye week. And there was some sort of meeting that said, no more blaming the offensive coordinator. This is you guys messing up the scheme. You do the scheme, 
it's going to work better. You run the plays, it's going to work better. They started to a little bit more in the back half of the season, and they did have some success. I just don't know if the scheme is going to work in the NFL and be dynamic enough to keep up with teams like the Chiefs and the Bills and the Bengals. I, those are the teams that you have to track down. And yeah, you can offset some of that with a really great defense, and they have the pieces to be a really great defense. There's no question about that. But there's no reason why they can't also make their offense great as well and try to have a great team, not just a great unit. And then the other one does enough to not screw it up. That is not a way to win football games in the NFL. No, I agree. They do need a better offense that does put points up. But uh, you know, one thing I think will be very interesting, will the Steelers be able to kind of use that rushing kind of offense and finish more drives? Because here's the, here's the other thing. I do think it's fine if they run the ball well and that's how they get their points, but they have to get their points. And I think that that's, that was the problem that they were running into. Too many red zone drives, things would stall out. If if they're still running the football and taking forever to get down the field, but they're getting down the field and then finishing with touchdowns, that is a way to neutralize a lot of those other teams that have the advanced offenses already. That you know, Patrick Mahomes is what five six years into his career and he doesn't have to think about what his playbook says. He's been there for for the whole time. That could be a way to neutralize it and a way to ease Kenny Pickett in and allow him to continue to develop on his own. But. We'll keep talking about Matt Canada all offseason. I'm sure we're not done talking about that. I do want to switch topics to the linebacker situation because that's going to be very interesting. We'll talk about that in just a minute here on the North Shore Drive podcast. But first, we're going to talk to you guys about Valley Pool and Spa. Would it be nice if when the weather comes back and it's getting really cold again that you had a nice spa or a nice sauna right in your home, ready to go, keeping you warm and helping you relax? The best place to go do that is Valley Pool and Spa. You can relax in a soak in a hot tub or swim spa from, from Valley Pool and Spa before it gets cold again and or you could re- refresh and rejuvenate in one of their finlayo saunas that's sure to melt the stress away uh your stress away faster than the frosting in aruba save big now on all in stock hot tubs and swim spas at valleypoolandspa.com that's valleypoolspa.com back here on the north shore drive podcast chris carter joined by Josh Roundtree, 93.7 The Fan. I'm a Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Uh, I wanted to take some time to talk about the linebacker situation in Pittsburgh, Josh, because to me, this was a group that had a chance to show that they could be the glue to the defense. Everyone knew the defensive front was going to be mean and nasty. Everyone knew the secondary was going to be Minka Fitzpatrick-led and supplemented by good role players. But the linebacker crew, the off-ball linebackers, not T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith, they're kind of part of that defensive front. But those off-ball linebackers, Miles Jack, Devin Bush, Robert Splane, Mark Robinson, they were going to have to be – and, and you know, Mark Robinson really not as much because he was only in the last like three games. But they were going to have to be the glue to the defense. And – I think there was expectations for the, for this group to be better than they were. And I think I don't think they met up to that expectations. I will say Miles Jack, I think, was the solid free agent veteran for most of the year. I think he he brought the headiness and the the sort of like compose you know composing composure, excuse me. There you go. Uh to the to the linebacker room, he led the Steelers with 104 tackles on the season, despite uh, missing a few games there. Um, and, and I think that he made some he had some solid plays. And Devin Bush, I thought at moments flashed and, and like had moments where you were like oh wait a minute he can do those things but he still never got back to that 10th overall pick feel that we had like that maybe he was going to develop into after his rookie season when he was doing things like covering Mark Andrews 20 yards downfield and hauling in one, one-handed interceptions and leading the Steelers in tackles and things like that 
he never got back to that. And it's, you especially saw that in the tail end of the season where he was maybe playing five snaps a game. To me, this is a sign that the Steelers are kind of ready to move on at the linebacker position and get a new guy there. But there's also the question of, you know, if Devin Bush doesn't get, you know, a big, I mean, his stats don't show to be anything big. If he doesn't get a major contract out there, should the team accept him back for like a three to $5 million contract? It's just like, well, he can at least be a depth option there while still going and getting another guy either via the draft or free. Llegaron los Propane Days a Lowe's. Desde ahora hasta el 16 de junio, los miembros MVPs de Lowe's reciben un 20% de reembolso en pintura con una tarjeta de regalo electrónica de Lowe's por compras de pinturas elegibles de 100 dólares o más. Lleva la nueva y exclusiva pintura HGTV Home de Sherwin-Williams Specright para interiores. Lowe's sabe de pros. Aplican exclusiones, restricciones y más términos. Visita Lowe's.com diagonal L diagonal Pro Loyalty Terms. Sujeto a cambios. Agency. No, no, <laughs> no, Devin Bush's time in Pittsburgh needs to be over. It needs to be over. I don't care if it's a league minimum. It needs to be over. It's run its course. He's been a bust. There's no question about it. Part of that is probably due to the injury. I just think he never came back as the same intense player that he was when before he got injured. And, um, and then part of that, I think, is is a mental makeup as well. Like he just does not seem engaged on the football field. He doesn't seem engaged enough to be a, a good enough football player for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, it showed the last two weeks of the season, Chris, against two divisional opponents, Baltimore yeah. and Cleveland. He must played. He must win games. He played ten snaps combined yeah. in those two games. Yeah, that was it. That told me everything that I need to know about Devin Bush. They don't trust him to play against the run. They don't trust him to play AFC North ball, as Mike Tomlin likes to say so often. And if you can't play AFC North ball, you can't play for the Pittsburgh Steelers. It needs to be done. I think Devin Bush wants it to be done. I think he's made that more than clear with some of his tweets of late as well. I think he is ready for a new, uh, a new venue, a new team. And really, if you go back to training camp, he kind of alluded to it. He was asked about the fifth-year option not being picked up, and he said, well, I'm still going to be in the NFL next year, so it doesn't really matter. He doesn't want to be here. The Steelers shouldn't want him to be here. It's time to move on. It will be better for all parties involved. And, Chris, on a bigger scale, the inside linebacker group, you know, I thought there were some solid things from Miles Jack throughout the course of the year. I thought he was fairly stable throughout the course of the season. Robert Spillane, I think, exceeded my expectations. I mean, they used him way more in passing in passing downs than I ever anticipated them to do. I mean, we knew him as a, a great run stopper, and then they threw him out there a ton uh, in passing situations. Mixed reviews, I guess, there at times. Uh, and then Mark Robinson, really, we didn't get to see a whole lot, and I kind of wish that we would have got to see a little bit more from Mark Robinson because he did some things uh, late in the season that I was like, okay, you know, maybe this guy has something here that, that Devin Bush wasn't bringing, and that was physicality. But the big thing to me is, in this defense, Chris, you know, you go back to the days of, of guys like Shazier and Farrier and so on and so forth. They were good to make a couple of plays here and there, whether it was a timely interception, whether it was a forced fumble, a fumble recovery. Those three guys, the three top inside linebackers, Jack Spillane and Devin Bush, did not have a single turnover forced this year. They did not have an interception. They did not have a fumble recovery. They did not have a forced fumble. You ha- And I look, I know T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith, they can force fumbles. Minka Fitzpatrick, he can get interceptions. But they didn't get enough playmaking from that group. they got to find a way to get more out of that unit. 
No, I agree. They they do got to find a way. It's it's been a big part of every great Steelers team has had a, a, at least one great linebacker and then a good linebacker or sometimes right. multiple great linebackers who can who can fly around the field and do things. And listen, I, I think Miles Jack is very much the potential to be you know the Larry Foot in the situation. And that's not to disrespect Miles Jack or Larry Foot. It's just saying to to be the kind of guy who's like the solid veteran that you know will always be in the right spot at the right time and will give you those solid eff- efforts there. But I, I think that they need what they were trying to get with Devin Bush and what they missed after Ryan Chazier's injury, an athletic, physical guy who loves to fly around, who loves to hit, who loves to be aggressive. And, and, you know, to your point about, you know, the, uh, you know, the, the lack of turnover contributions, the Steelers only, they, they came in last in recovering fumbles this year. And part of it, you know, fumbles kind of just happen sometimes, but part of it's also, you know, guys being in the right spots at the right time and kind of pushing the needle. And the crazy thing is they came in last in fumbles, but led the NFL in interceptions. Uh, and it's kind of like, it's it was a weird balance to see that happen. I think a lot of people are going to point to the obvious free agent option that's going to sit out there, Tremaine Edmonds, because he's Terrell Edmonds' brother. And, you know, there's you know, Terrell Edmonds kind of joked about it at the end of the season there. And, of course, the Steelers are known for bringing in brothers because they got a bunch of them on the team. And, and, and listen, I think that Tremaine Edmonds would be a, a really great fit if they could afford him. Uh, you know, the, I think the Bills are in a spot where they're not going to be able to pay him. They're, they're already projected to be well over their cap, and they have other guys that they need to pay and positions that they need to address. So I think that he will be a cap casualty for them. Uh, But the question will be, is that where the Steelers invest their free agent money? Do they want to get him or do they want to bring in, you know, another free agent corner who's more of a cornerback one? Do they want to bring in a veteran, another veteran offensive lineman? Those are going to be, I think, big questions right now. But the linebacker room, I I agree with you. It needs to be a more dynamic group. And it doesn't have to be the X factors because this defense already has plenty of X factors. Minka Fitzpatrick is, is one. TJ Watts, another one. Cam Hayward's another one. And I think that Alex Highsmith is burgeoning on maybe getting there very soon. I think that he's close to it. I think that he's as close to an X factor as you can without being that one. I think that he still needs the pieces around him to be really good to give him more opportunities. But I really like what he's bringing to the table. I think he'll get there. But I think at the off-ball linebacker position, if you can get somebody there who can be sort of the, the the field general for all of that and not feel lost in the room of other superstars, that is so big. It's not just play on the field. It's the headiness. It's the, the locker room mentality and the ability to kind of corral that together with all these other superstars they got. Yeah, I would agree with that. And. You know, I'll say this too. It, it is truly a chance for them to sort of reload in that position, right? I mean, Devin Bush, they can let walk. Robert Spillane's a pending free agent. Miles Jack is owed a lot of money that, you know, is he going to be worth that to them? So if they want to do a refresh in that position, they're going to have an opportunity to do it. Um, and that makes it intriguing. You know, they could go out and play maybe in that, in that free agent market a little bit and, and see what they have. But at the same time, like, I wouldn't mind them bringing Robert Spillane back. Like I thought he was solid for them. And and I think for the right amount of money, they could bring him back. I think if you want to maybe dabble and and just maybe overpay a little bit for miles Jack and one last year, you could do that. And you have Mark Robinson there. And then then maybe you draft a guy, you know, maybe you use one of those top three picks on an inside linebacker. We know this team loves drafting linebackers. I mean, (laughs) nobody drafts linebackers in the first round. And, uh, and I don't think they would do it in the first round, but perhaps that early second round, you know, no one does it like the Pittsburgh Steelers do. So maybe, maybe they use some draft draft capital uh, and try to bring an inside linebacker in. But there's going to be an opportunity, I think, for them to to refresh a little bit at the position. And 
I think they probably need to do it because like you said, I mean, they just don't have, they don't have that dude. And I think everybody thought Devin Bush was going to be the dude for 10 years. I think they thought they were going to get a decade of really strong inside linebacker play to kind of carry a tradition of strong inside linebacker play. It hasn't worked out. It set them back a little bit. And and now, you know, you have to maybe pay a little bit to, to make up for that. And, and that's what happens. That's the business of the NFL. It is. It's, just, it's, it's part. It's part of what happens there. When you miss, you got to go back and readdress it some way, somehow. Um, and, and I agree with you, linebacker. Like there, there's got like Drew Sanders. I think right now from Arkansas, he's the guy that everyone's talking about at linebacker. He's six five, hits well, covers well. You know, we'll see how he runs in the combine and pro days and everything to see his numbers there to compare to everyone else. But you know, he's a guy that I think a lot of people are talking about as the guy that could be the first round pick uh, linebacker uh, off the board. But I, I agree. I think like they got some other things that they need to address like I, I really think that they need to take this year to fortify the trenches get your stalwart offensive linemen they've got I think they've got guys they've got upstart offensive linemen guys who you know people look at on paper and are just like meh and then all of a sudden Kevin Dotson's mauling you and you're like where'd that come from or like Dan Moore Jr. is up against Miles Garrett and sometimes he takes he takes some, some L's but then other times he gets he wins reps and people are like well actually that's not that bad for a second year fourth round pick but the Steelers need don't need not that bad on the offensive line anymore I think that they're at the point where they've got their quarterback they've got multiple running backs they've got multiple receivers they've got well they've got I think you've got multiple tight end I think I really like Connor Hayward as, as a as a backup option at that position and, and not to say don't supplement those with later picks but early picks I think need to be offensive line getting another young defensive lineman to be cut to start carrying the torch with DeMarvin Leal uh into the future because you only got so much longer with Cam Hayward um and I think you all you also need to look at the cornerback room because I think they have a lot of guys who are cornerback twos that are really good that are really good as role players, but they need their shutdown guy. And it doesn't have to necessarily be the 17th overall pick. It could be the 32nd or the 49th, uh, you know, this year. But they need a guy who projects to be the kind of like the Ike Taylor who they had for so long. I think Cam Sutton is a is the closest thing that this team has had to a Deshea Townsend since Deshea Townsend was part of those late 2000s Super Bowl teams, but. I think that they they have that guy, but they need the Ike Taylor who can line up with a Chad Johnson every every week and just take him away and make life hard for him. And and, and they, they can trust him to do that so that Minka Fitzpatrick and the rest of the secondary can start confusing quarterbacks more. They get those things, then I think that they can start addressing other things. But if they can if they can get a veteran linebacker to come in pair with Miles Jack and help Mark Robinson along, that way him and Robert Splain are just backups. I think it goes a long way to to fixing the the few things that I saw, thought were wrong with this year's defense. Yeah, and, and I think you know you mentioned the offensive line and addressing that in the draft. I, I think too, now that we know that, or at least assume that Matt Canada is coming back for next season, I, that offense is so reliant on strong offensive line play. Like you need yeah. your offensive line to be great in order for that offense to truly work and be able to do exactly what Matt Canada wants it to do when it comes to the jet sweeps and pre-stat motion and all that. Like you need an offensive line that can hold a block for a second and, and that can really push. And, and that is for far too many games this year, especially in the first half, that is what this offense could not do. So I'm with you. I think that offensive line can still be upgraded. I do like the way they trended in the back half of the year, but Again, this is about, and I said it earlier, this is about making Kenny Pickett the best possible player that Absolutely. you can possibly make him. And a big part of that is by giving him the best possible offensive line that you can give him. If there's a chance to upgrade there, major upgrade there, 
you got to take that. On the defensive side, I'm with you. Like, I would love to see them bring Cam Sutton back. I just think the stability, the versatility that he adds, mm -hmm. um, the calm demeanor. I think he's a really smart football player. I talked to Tara Lawson this year about him, and he talked about just the way that he studies and prepares for games. Um, you know, he's been around for a little while, you know, now, and we know quarter cornerbacks, they tend to, you know, they tend to hit a point and then they hit a cliff. And, and I'm willing, I think, to go with Cam Sutton if I'm the Steelers on a you know a couple more years, maybe a three-year deal, something like that, to try to keep him in Pittsburgh. I think it would be good for him because I think he fits their their scheme, their system well. And I think it would be good for the Steelers because he is a guy that you can trust, that you can rely on. But they can also upgrade there, Chris. And we saw it at times this year, Eagles game, Bills game, Bills game. Bengals game where they just got ripped down the field. Akella Witherspoon just got torched for three touchdowns against the Eagles. The Bills, obviously, they, they were able to take shots down the field. Those elite passing offenses, which, again, the Steelers need to try to keep up with these type of teams. Those elite type of offenses that have elite quarterback play, they gave the Steelers a ton of problems throughout the course of this year. Yeah, they did fine against the Matt Ryans of the world and, you know, the, those type of quarterbacks. They were able to handle those guys and do well. The elite guys, they struggled against. And that gives me concern. That means that they need to, I think, help the corner position a little bit more, help that secondary. And this goes back to another point we made, Chris. You get really elite corner play. You get really solid corner play. Those inside linebackers, they can start to do some different things as well. You can start to get a little bit more exotic with those guys as well, like they used to do when they had reliable corners. And they, you know, Dick LeBeau was able to draw those exotic blitzes with inside linebackers and really, really bring it at quarterbacks. You get better outside play, it's really going to help your inside play. That's what the Steelers need defensively, I think. And uh, I think the defensive line, too, is a group that, you know, we'll see if they can get Ogunjobi back and, and, and so on. But um, I, I do think that that is a group that could probably use another body in there and another reliable body in there because you have the injury to Wormley. Ogunjobi, you don't know what his status is going to be going forward. Cam Hayward's not getting any younger. You know, Leal, not quite proven yet. So there's there's plenty of areas to upgrade. We've had drafts before, man, with this team where we're like, well, they could just go best available because they're pretty good at a variety of positions. Not anymore. They have like a definitive three or four positions where they really have to upgrade. Absolutely. I think that that'll be the talk all offseason. It's the priority of where that where they'll be upgrading. We'll get a lot more into that. But we do got to switch to switch topics. Pit basketball is a game tonight against Louisville should be a game that they need to win that they win, but they need to win these types of games if they want to keep keep up the pace that they've had. We'll talk about pit hoops with Josh in just a minute here. But first, we got to talk to you guys about Yinzers in the Berg. Yinzers, listen up. If you're a, if you're a Pittsburgh sports fan, there's no better place to go get all your Pittsburgh sports apparel accessories and much, much more than Yinzers in the Berg. It's a it's a it's a, it's a store that has two locations for you to visit in the Strip District. Or if you can't get to the Strip District or you just prefer not going out places, go to their website, yinzerspgh.com. It has all the amazing Pittsburgh sports apparel on Steelers, Penguins, Pirates, Pitt, anything Pittsburgh sports, they have there. Go check out yinzerspgh.com or their stores in the, in, the, in the Strip District to get more from Yinzers in the Berg. And again, that's yinzerspgh.com for all your Pittsburgh sports apparel. Back here on the North Shore Drive podcast, Chris Carter, Josh Rodri, we're breaking it down. Let's switch to pit hoops for a little bit. We've been talking about, uh, you know, a team that, you know, is already in the rebuilding phase. But this is a pit, a pit team this year in pit basketball. They get to play Louisville tonight. Louisville, uh, not one of the a better 
uh, <laughs> ACC teams right now. They sit dead last. They haven't won a conference game yet. They're 0-7, 2-16 on the year. If you go back to their preseason schedule, when I was writing about how Pitt did what they were supposed to do against Gannon in their uh, their preseason game, uh Louisville was losing to community colleges and it was like the sign that like I was telling people like hey there's gonna be some really really bad ACC teams this year and Pitt's not going to be one of them they've outperformed my expectations the Panthers have but still I I look at this year though Josh and you know you see the five and two start in the conference 12 and six overall I, I predicted on our mailbag show that I do with Noah Hiles back around Christmas and I said this Pitt team is a tournament team. I think that if the, if they handle their business and continue to play they, they the way they have been the past month or so after they they lost like their first you know they they were one and three in this in their early start if they maintain this pace I think they're good enough to beat the majority of the rest of their ACC opponents get twenty plus wins get a good seed in the conference tournament and then get a couple more wins there and I think if this team does win 21, 22 games they're a tournament team. And, and if that happens, I, I feel like people should be able to say Pitt is back and that finally Pitt basketball is fun again. But, Josh, I know Pitt basketball fans, I know Pitt fans in general, they never want to feel good because they've been they've been <laughs> suffering for so long. I just – do you think that Jeff Capel, what he's doing right now, is the it that Pitt basketball does need back for the program? Yeah, you know, and I think the big thing that, that has really hurt Jeff Capel at times and now really helped him has been the transfer portal. Like they've lost some talented guys to the portal. Now they've brought some in. And what I love about this team, Chris, is their guard play. Like they're just veteran crafty guards that have been there, done that. They've seen the floor. They're an older team. Um, And today, like it's, it's so difficult, I think, to try to build from like the ground up like you gotta you gotta hit that moving train and just go with it you gotta get guys on board and you gotta gel and you gotta mesh quickly and I think generally and and there are some bumps in the road along the way like the West Virginia game the Michigan game have not been good performances against you know higher quality teams but I think overall we saw this team begin to turn a corner and a lot of that was because of their guard play like Jamarius Burton yeah what Blake Henson can do with his size um, and, and then Nelly Cummings, I think, you know, a guy that is not a true one. He's not a true point guard, but he's kind of played that role. And I think he's played it, you know, fairly well. He has like four and a half assists per game this year. Uh, and then here of late, like Nike Sabandi um, is a guy that, you know, maybe you didn't know fully what you were going to get uh, from him. He's, he's dealt with injuries in the past. And he's been, I think, really, really solid for them. I, I just, I like their guard play a lot. And to me, like I always look, and the, people talk about this a lot, but it's true. Like when you get to postseason basketball, when you get to tournament basketball, guard play means a ton. Like it's great to have great guard play when you get into tournaments. It's great to have level headedness. I think that they have that. I, you know, I was a little bit discouraged by them getting that lead at Duke and not being able to finish it, but that's a tough place to play, a tough environment. Um, But I do think that this is a team uh, that, that relies on its guard play a lot. I think if they can be decent enough in the post, that they're going to win a lot of games. And I'm with you. I think you win 20 games in the ACC, you're probably getting getting into the tournament. Like it's if you're an ACC team with 20 wins and you do okay in your conference and maybe you win a couple conference tournament games, you should get into the dance and I think that they're trending in that direction. Look, anything could happen. Like they they could, you know, there's injuries, there's things that could happen in the back half of the season that could derail you a little bit, but this this group seems much more together 
than any team that Jeff Capel has had. He's had maybe teams with equal amounts or even better talent on it. This team feels like it is the most together. Like they are all on the same page. They're all on the same mission. It is not an I thing. It's a we thing. I know that's like a cliche, but they, they truly do feel like more of a team than any other team so far under Jeff Capel. And that's a really good thing. And that's a testament to Jeff Cable because he brought in all these eyes and he made them a we. Like that's yeah, that's a really good coaching job by Jeff Cable. I, I think so far this year is to bring all these personalities, all these guys together. They've dealt with issues, but they have stayed together and they're a pretty darn good basketball team. And more than anything, they're fun to watch. Yeah. Like this is not some grinded out, you know, slog scoring in the 50s type of team. Like they are fun to watch. They can get after it. They can score. They're athletic. They can play above the rim. And, and to me, like, I'm not going to sit here and say, Pitt basketball is back. Like, I don't think you can make that sweeping declaration until they're playing in March. But they are trending in a very positive direction towards saying that. No, I, I agree. I, I One thing I really think uh, that you're absolutely right about, guard play is so important in the big games because they're the guys that that that, hold, that control the ball, that control possessions. And one thing that I think has killed Pitt, even when they've had those talents, is even when they had talented guys like Xavier Johnson, they turn the ball over too much. They get too aggressive. They drive into to trouble situations. They do things that would be too costly, and they wouldn't do what Jeff Capel would preach about, and that's valuing the basketball. Nellie Cummings values the basketball. Right now, he has 83 assists to 38 turnovers on, on the year. He's been kind of command, commanding that. And then you have guys like Greg Elliott, who's more of just a shooter, or, or Nike Sabani, who can come in and give you a, a breath of fresh air or Jamarius Burton, both of whom are 6'4", when you go between Burton and, and Sabandi, and how that balances out things for Nelly Cummings. Because Greg's more of just a pure shoot and occasional drive type of guy. He's not the the, the handler that's going to that's gonna you know facilitate the offense. Those other three, though, they bring that to the table. And, they, and, and, and each of them, I'd say, you know, Burton a little bit less of a shooter than the other three, but, but all those other three guys, they bring all those different things to the table. And you're right. Everyone has bought in, it seems like. There's, you know, like, for example, when we joke about Pitt, you know, people saying Pitt is back, Justin Champagne said that, you know, in in, in, two, in, 20, in the 2020-2021 season, when Pitt beat Duke, they were 8-2 and two on top of the world, and then we're talking about being disrespected by not being ranked after that game. Then they lost 10 straight, and the season completely fell apart. But part of the problem was there, just in my opinion of covering the team at the time, they did they weren't together, like you said. I don't yeah. think that they were, like, you know, when you asked them questions about each other, it wasn't like they were, there wasn't as much camaraderie between that group. I think every a lot of these veteran guys that, that Jeff Capel has assembled, they have all bought into, like, look, this is like my last chance. Like Nelly Cummings, this is his last year for college basketball. Same thing for Jamarius Burton. Same thing uh, for Greg Elliott. Same thing for Nike Sabande. And yes, Burton and Sabande were here already, but you added the, these guys to the mix. And there's, I, I don't sense ego in the room. And Blake Hinson is the same way as a vet, even though he has more time that he could spend playing college basketball. But the tone that those guys have set, I think, is the chance even beyond this year, even beyond, you know, them making the tournament and maybe getting a win or two in the tournament this year, if they could even get there in the first place. Beyond this year, those guys resetting that tone for this program, and if the program can keep guys like the Diaz-Graham twins, like Fede Federico, if John Hughley can come back next year, if William Jeffers can come back next year, and then Dior Johnson sticks around, and then they bring in guys like the Jalen Lowe's or the, the, the Carl Carrington's, 
you look at all those talents that are coming together, there will be something to uphold. There won't be a, they have to reset the culture and start all over again. It'll be like a, hey, remember those guys from last year? That's the tone that's been set, and this yeah. is what we're passing down to you. This is what you have to honor. I think that is so huge in, in, in all basketball programs to maintain. That's what the best programs carry for them year to year. And, and along those lines, too, like, look, I mean, every team now has to hit the transfer portal. Like, there's no question. They're going to have to hit the transfer portal this offseason. They're, they're going to lose somebody. They're going to need to gain somebody. It's just how it's going right now. In all likelihood, they are going to have to do that. So now if you're, you know, I think in the past few years, it's been, okay, uh, Pitt, that might be, it's a chance to play uh, in the ACC. Um, this could be an opportunity for me. Now I think you look at Pitt, if they can continue where they're at right now, if you're a transfer, your prospective transfer, and if you're a recruit as well, you're saying like, this isn't just going to an ACC team. This is going to Pitt. This is going to play for a good program, one that is going to make me a better player, one that could potentially get me to the league. Like That is what Jeff Capel has had to build back up to. It's what Pitt was at one point. They were the program. They were a big-time program that that players naturally wanted to go to. Now, they're, I think, getting there. I think it's getting back to that point. This season is pivotal in that, in that they need to get back to that echelon. Uh, and look, I'm not saying that they're going to go win the ACC or they're going to be you know, they're going to make a, a Elite Eight run or anything like that. But I think you can get Pitt back onto the map for some of the top players around. And and that's this region, that's inter, that's nationally, that's internationally. Like, I think Pitt can be a bigger name. I think they have good facilities. I think there's a good coaching staff in place. Uh, it, it's there for Pitt. They just need to keep this going. That's going to be the big thing for them. But I'm with you. Like, I, I, this, I, they needed a team that was – truly unselfish that was truly about winning basketball games not about anything else Jeff Capel I think struggled at times to get that not all of that is his fault you you bring kids in things go south what have you now I think he's got a really good group and I think it's going to carry Pitt. I, th I think I I'm with I, like I think that they're going to to play well in the back half of this season and I think that they're going to do some really good things and Man, I'll tell you what, to see Pitt dancing again in March Madness is somebody – I know you, you're you from here. Like, yeah. it used to be the show. Like, yeah. they were the ticket. I think they were a harder ticket to get than the Steelers, Penguins, and Pirates have been ever. Like, it was impossible to get into the Pete unless you had a bankroll at your disposal. I don't know that it's going to get back to there immediately, but I think Pitt, when they're going, is the best show in town. I think they are the must-watch show in town when they are at their very best, and I think they have a chance to get back or at least get very close to that again. Certainly. I think that they have a chance to do that, but it starts with beating Louisville tonight. We'll see if they do that. If they win the next few games against Louis Louisville, uh, I believe they also have Florida State this weekend at the Pete, and then Wake Forest again next Wednesday. If they win those three games, Wake Forest, no joke though. I think that they're they're a solid they're a solid ACC team that the Pitt will have to show up against. But they win those three games, they'll have a chance to play Miami 4 p.m. in the Pete, January 28th, and I think it would be huge if they get that win over a good Miami team. Then I think the national pundits will start to be like, oh, wait a second, what's going over on there at Pitt? We'll see what happens there. Josh, thanks so much for joining us here on the North Shore Drive podcast. Let people know they can find you, follow you, and get more of your work. Yeah, absolutely. You can follow me on Twitter, J-R-O-W-N-32. I also, as Chris mentioned, work for 93.7 The Fan, so you can follow us 
93.7 The Fan is our handle for all, all social media. 93.7thefan.com is where I do a lot of my writing and appearances and hosts. And I do a lot of different things for 93.7 The Fan. So you can find me there. But follow me on Twitter, J-R-O-W-N 32. He's a man of many talents. Do check out Josh Country. <laughs> he does a, he does a lot of great things. Thanks so much, Josh, for joining us. Thank you for joining us here on the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post Gazette. I'm Chris Carter. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Carter Critiques. Read my work as I cover pit pit all things pit sports with my partner Noah Hiles uh, on uh, for the Pittsburgh Post Gazette at post-gazette.com. Noah is on site for the Pitt Louisville game tonight. I'll be I'll be here in Pittsburgh doing my thing, but we'll both be writing about this game and how they perform and what they're looking for going into the rest of their schedule. We'll be back with more. North Shore Drive podcast this Friday right here on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. Subscribe to this channel to get all those episodes and all of our daily content here from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the North Shore Drive podcast of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. If you're watching this video on YouTube, please like the video and subscribe to our YouTube channel. For six months of digital access to post-gazette.com for just $6, click the link down below in the description. Llegaron los Propane Days a Lowe's. Desde ahora hasta el 16 de junio, los miembros MVPs de Lowe's reciben un 20% de reembolso en pintura con una tarjeta de regalo electrónica de Lowe's por compras de pinturas elegibles de 100 dólares o más. Lleva la nueva y exclusiva pintura HGTV Home de Sherwin-Williams Specride para interiores. Lowe's sabe de pros. Aplican exclusiones, restricciones y más términos. Visita Lowe's.com diagonal L diagonal Pro Loyalty Terms. Sujeto a cambios.